Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Third Estate Podcast, where we talk about anything finance and whatever else comes to mind. I'm your host, AJ Abarca, along with my co-host, Anton Bolich. And joining us again today is Justin. Uh, he had such a great time last episode. <laughs> we decided to switch things up a little bit. And, you know, Justin, we were talking just before starting the show that uh, you had some questions in regards to retirement and and what you, from your experience and what you're seeing with your dad, I believe you said, just give us a little clarification. So we, we have some direction on where we're going. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me back, guys. You guys cut me off last time. I wanted to, you know, keep the conversation going. So, um, yeah, you know, there's, it's tough to put it into one question exactly what it is that I'm looking to, you know, have answered, but coming from my perspective and I kind of mentioned, you know, what was going on with this housing project that I was into and, um, basically putting all my cash there. Right. So now as that's coming to a close, I'm starting to look forward a little bit more to having a little bit more cash on hand. And I'm trying to figure out what to do. What's the best way to set myself up for retirement. So just turned 29 the other day. Um, now more than ever, this is becoming like, holy crap, I only have, you know, 36 years until, you know, 65 retirement age. And uh, I hope I'm not even working that long. So I'm trying to set myself up, set my wife up, my future family up um, for a, a solid retirement, trying to make sure that I have enough money to retire um, and just trying to do it, you know, the best way. So maximizing my contributions, maxi- maximizing my returns, you know, the different tax um, benefit type of retirement accounts and just really trying to set myself up. So um, I just kind of wanted to get an understanding of basic knowledge of the different things that are out there, different options, um, you know, and then we can kind of flow into my own personal and seeing, you know, my parents are self-employed, right? So they've done, they've had a lot of opportunities in life, um, which is great, but they also aren't that, you know, retired at 55 with a full pension, like, you know, working for the county or a city like that. So They've had to have some unique retirement structures and some in real estate. So just trying to figure out a good way to set myself up for the future, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I think, um, you know, it, it's good that you're already starting to move on to that next step, um, because I think a lot of people would, you know, and I, I would maybe be in this in this in these shoes um, where you have, you've worked on a big project for the last year and it's very easy for people to say, okay, I want to take a break and just, you know, relax, especially, you know, we've been in COVID and, and, um, I think it's important that people are always looking to the future and looking towards the the next step. And so having a plan to attack that is important. And a lot of people don't. Um, and I think, you know, I, I was reading this, this week about, or last week, I should say about, uh, COVID and, you know, people are starting to get really optimistic about kind of the reopening and uh, potentially, you know, we're going to have herd immunity. And so now people need to be, you know, again, looking out into the future as we because I think some people took a took a break during COVID. It's just OK, I'm in survival mode working. So, uh, you know, I think I think uh, planning for that is important. Well, yeah, and it's never too early to start thinking about something like that, especially retirement, right? Um, the earlier you start, the easier it is to, even if it's small movements over time, right? Especially when you're take, factoring in something like as simple as compound interest, right? And it's uh, actually, Anton, why don't you explain to some of the people listening what exactly compound interest is because i know it's 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 second language to probably all three of us especially justin you work in mortgage rates right so and then we're we're in investing and and financial advisors but i know there's quite a few people out there who actually don't quite understand the concept of it okay so compound interest i'm gonna try and simplify this down um compound interest is essentially uh you know, you put, you have a principal amount of money that you, you want to invest, right? Let's say it's $10,000, right? And let's say, um, at the, in a one year you, you gain a 10% return and now you have $11,000, right? Well, when that next year rolls around, you are going to be hopefully making, uh, gains on that 11,000. And so that interest of one, $1,000 that you, 
um, that you earned in the previous year is now part of your principal. And so your, your principal uh, is now greater. And so let's say you had 10% again, right? Well, it's 10% of 11,000, not 10,000 in that example. So that compounding means that as your account grows year by year, the added gains, assuming you're not pulling money out, is adding to those future gains every year. And so um, that compounding helps grow your account at greater and greater speeds. Um, and so I don't know if if that's a, the short version of describing what compound interest is, but um, it's, it's... It's pretty clear, yeah, right? Hopefully. Uh, at least I thought so. Yeah. Um, might be a little biased here. But yeah, I mean... Right. And so when you factor something in like that, you definitely have the the benefit of compound interest, just in how you said of, of 30 years or so, right? Um, better to start early than later. And and the nice thing is, is there are a lot of options out there. And I think there is a common misconception with some individuals in the in the workforce where their idea is their retirement funding or saving is just through their employer, right? Oh, you get a 401k or you get some stock options. Okay, that's that's my retirement plan, right? And even then, there are things just like an employer match where some people don't quite understand that, hey, if you put, typically with a 401k, if you put a X percentage of your salary into the plan, employers will, will match up to a certain level. So let's say like two or 3% of your salary. There are some a little more complex where they'll say 50% of 4% of your salary, but there's, there's more vehicles than just, you know, the traditional 401k. And it's, and it's kind of sad for us quite a bit because back in the day, our parents' generation, right? You, you mentioned your parents, like there were such things as, as pensions, right? And I know so there are some, uh, industries out there, uh, more so in the public sector um, that provide some some kind of pension type benefits or defined benefit comp uh, retirement plan. But um, yeah, I'm just, it's, I can't stress the, enough the importance really in regards to planning when it comes to retirement. And it kind of comes down to, and obviously it'll fluctuate. Maybe you don't know, maybe you do know, kind of comes down to, well, what does, and this applies to everybody, right? What does retirement mean to you? Like, what is retirement, right? Like, because it's different for me than I know for Anton, which will probably be different from you. And it's, that's, that's probably one of the big factors that people don't, in my mind, don't quite understand that is might be the first step of, oh, okay, I want to plan for retirement. I'm going to put some money away, but what does retirement actually mean, you know? Some, I mean, our generation is starting to to think they're not going to retire. They'll semi-retire and they'll they'll do other things, right? And so, what is? I'm just curious, Justin. What's what's your version right now of of retirement? And and when is that timeline to you? You know, are you right. a fire advocate? Like you're trying to retire at thirty? You know, or is that? Well, you said thirty years, so never mind. <laughs> you know, well, the dream, the dream would be you know, retired by 30, which would give me, you know, a solid 11 months to, to accrue my retirement portfolio. But, you know, for me, when I was, when I was younger, you know, retirement, I wanted to be retired young. I wanted to take advantage of, of still being young. Hopefully, you know, at that time in my life, I have children and, and I can be a major, you know, part of their life. So for me, I've always been family oriented, right? So I, I grew up with self-employed parents, as I mentioned before, I always wanted to be, if not fully self-employed, I wanted to have control over my schedule and over my lifestyle, right? I want to be a coach to my kids when they play sports or whatever it is that they decide to do, I want to be fully involved in, right? So I've always kind of had that in the back of my mind. So now that I'm getting to the age where, you know, it's not realistic for me to be retired at 35 or 40, um, you know, and some, unless something major does happen, um, I realistically, I am looking at 55, 60, 65 as, as my retirement goal. So at that point in time, I don't know exactly where I'll be in my life, but I know that what I want out of retirement is, um, I want to be able to enjoy my life. I don't want to be fully relying on social security, which is, 
you know, at that point in time, I don't, we don't even know where social security is going to be at that point. Right. So I, I don't want to just go into this having, you know, have lived a certain type of lifestyle that all of a sudden comes to a crashing halt because I'm no longer, you know, generating income from employment. Um, I want my lifestyle to remain relatively unchanged. Um, and I want my quality of life to potentially even, you know, get better. What that means, I don't know if at that point it's going to be material, but I want to have the experiences and the opportunity and the freedom and the availability. That's really what I'm looking for out of retirement. So I don't know if that answers your question, um, you know, on a financial side of things, but that's just kind of what I see from retirement. I don't need to, uh, you know, I don't need to have a lavish lifestyle and, you know, buy a yacht and retire and do all that kind of stuff. But, you know, who knows? I know people go down the road of, of selling their assets, buying an RV and, and going cross country. I have no idea where I'll be at that point in time with my family, but um, you know, I want to have options open to me. What I don't want is to be limited because I did not plan ahead of time. So you guys going off of, um, you know, compound interest, this is really what's piqued my interest with this and trying to get a lot more serious about this is looking at it from a mortgage perspective, you know, we, we put out these amortization schedules for our clients 30 years out. And we talk about, you know, what is the actual total cost of this purchase, right? You're buying it today for, you know, 700,000, let's say your loan amount 600,000, but what are you going to pay at the end of 30 years? And looking at those numbers and being like astounded at, holy moly, like that's not really a $700,000 house. You're, you know, you're paying almost double for that by the end of this. That's what started to be like, okay, well, how can I work this compound interest in my advantage and and save more earlier, um, maximize my contributions to all my retirement accounts um, so that I can be, you know, free to do the things that I want to do in my retirement. You know, AJ, uh, Justin brings up a good point about the cost of a mortgage and the cost of, of the house relative to what you purchase the price uh, for and then what you end up paying. So let me get your opinion in a general sense. And I know because each mortgage is different in the interest rate environment. What is your opinion on uh, the be- like the benefits of getting a mortgage and using capital in other areas uh, to try and generate a return that is in excess of, of the interest that you're paying on that mortgage? Or is it better to just try and get as debt-free as possible a la Dave Ramsey. Um, like, what? what is your opinion on that? Are you asking me or Justin? A- AJ, AJ. Um, well, I'm always trying to get, personally, the, the highest return. Um, so, I mean, from what I've seen and what I've heard, right, you have, yeah, you have those two main categories, I think. Those who believe and we talked about this previously right where those who believe basically all debt is is bad right and and eliminate all the debt as possible um i myself would rather get into the mortgage and especially with rates how low they are get the mortgage and then put the the capital that i saved or the equivalent into assets that could generate me a higher return i mean why why wouldn't i want to do that especially if you're considering the long term and and running the numbers right um that being said right if your risk tolerance i i acknowledge that the risk tolerance of other individuals aren't as aggressive as as i am um it's that's that's my preference right i'd rather i'd rather get the return and in the long run you know after that 15 years or so it'll it'll work out better for me hopefully I, I mean no one can predict the future so um yeah that's my stance on that i don't know about you or or justin especially because you guys have more exposure to that yeah well i mean i think that when we're you know part of my job is you know I, and i'm certainly not a financial advisor could never you know even act like one but it's really to assess the entire you know what's your goal as a client right so we have a lot of individuals who are forward thinking and and they do bring up that point. Well, you know, should I come in with a higher down payment? Should I, should I come in with 50% down or should I come in with 20% down? And what we have to do is we have to assess what is, what is your goal? So you, we kind of have to evaluate the risk tolerance. Like you just, you just mentioned. So what could they potentially do with that extra 30%? 
in the market, in a retirement type of situation? Could that money grow into being much more valuable than it is um, as instead of just contributing it or putting it toward a lower loan amount? So of course, it's going to reduce what you're going to pay over the long term or the, you know, the entire amortization schedule of your mortgage. But what could that 30% do for you elsewhere? So that's even something that I'm trying to figure out right now with my own project and my own situation is, you know, I didn't do things traditionally. We did things a little bit, you know, backwards because the home was in such disrepair where we couldn't have a conventional loan on it. So a lot of this right now has been cash and some some private lending um, and kind of just situating funds differently. So now at this point in time, when I'm deciding paying myself back for the funds that I've put towards this remodel, what you know, I'm trying to evaluate how much I want to take out in the form of a loan in cash out proceeds, essentially to pay myself back and even to, you know, pad the pocket a little bit more. So do I take advantage of having this extremely low interest rate and take more cash out where I can then use the cash to, you know, make sure that I'm maxing out my IRA contributions to make sure that I'm, you know, taking advantage of, which this is a side note, but I want to go into it as well because we started talking about different options, but my wife is self-employed. So I want to talk about, you know, SEP IRA. So, you know, contributing to her SEP IRAs and doing different things. So we as a couple are maximizing our retirement um, and what it, what exactly we're going to get back at that point in time. So um, that's kind of an interesting situation that I am in for myself and, you know, evaluating that. So for me, I'm a little bit more... Um, I can tolerate risk a little bit more as well. I believe that I'm young enough that I can recover some swings in the market. I have enough time to do so. So when it comes to me personally, I'm thinking about trying to take as much cash out as I can in that transaction and, and really use it um, you know, to my advantage over the next 35 years, whatever that might be, and take the you know 2.875% hit on the mortgage. You know, I, I, I think that I'm going to you know, again, you can't predict anything, but I'm hoping to double, triple, whatever that might be, um, you know, so that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, because I mean, the reason I asked that question, um, and, you know, mainly I was directing it at AJ is because the, what I've seen, right, is you have people that have taken on a lot of debt over the last, let's say, 10 years. And you've seen some people be very smart with how they've used that debt to, generate returns in other areas because let's let's face it borrowing has been cheap um but then you have other people that uh have borrowed money but then almost wasted it in my opinion and um you know taken some risky bets uh on things or maybe not even gone into investments right they just spent um and now you know looking at what's happened in the last couple of weeks with interest rates and you know, people are starting to get a little worried about inflation. It's it. There is a point, right, where people are taking on debt and they're trying. It's almost like a fear of missing out, or they're trying to generate returns. And you know, we see that with Bitcoin. And there's a point where, as interest rates climb, and they're very low right now, right, but where there's going to be that trade off of of taking debt on will to try and get returns in other areas will be tough. And, uh, that's, that's something I was, I was curious on, on. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, go back. Cause I want to, I want to talk about the uh, retirement. Cause that's what Justin asked us about. Right. And, uh, I mean, you bring up an interesting point, uh, cause one thing I've heard, especially with, uh, younger participants or individuals is, is really trying to identify, well, how much should I have saved in retirement? right now for my age like what's a good number and i mean i know it's it's well known in our industry i believe it's a fidelity investments that they came they come out with their their estimates or, or guidelines let's say in regards to and to exactly that how much in savings for retirement based on age range and justin you mentioned you just turned 29 so again i don't know this specifics are really deep into your financial situation. But once you turn 30, according to Fidelity's recommendation, right, it's to have at least one times your salary um, for for retirement. And then once you get to 35, it's two, 
43 times, 45, four times, and it goes in increments of, of five years, right? Then 56 times. Um, so, I mean, that I, for me, I think is a good guideline, at least to start with. And like I mentioned earlier, it is a decision coming up to, well, and obviously we know things are going to fluctuate, but it does come to a point where you kind of need to decide. And this is just in regards to financial planning in general, not just retirement planning, but kind of figuring out exactly what it is that life entails for you, right? I mean, we ask clients that all the time of like, okay, you have retirement planning. What does that mean to you? You have, um, you have a big home goal that you want to, or home purchase goal that you have. Okay. Well, I mean, you probably see this in your side, right? Like, okay, well, what, how big of a, of a, of a price can you pay? What, how much of a home can you afford? Right. Um, realistically speaking without breaking the bank. Um, and I guess maybe this ties into to Anton's conversation or, um, topic earlier of, of the mortgage rates and, and going into debt. So, what I'm trying to stress is just the importance of uh, self-awareness when it comes to planning and, and retirement goals and stuff like that. Because my, I, my, myself, um, I don't know. I feel like if I get retired, because I've seen this with some clients where they get bored when they retired and then they start joining boards or volunteering, doing other things. And I'm, I know I'm too active to just retire at some beach somewhere, sipping Mai Tais. <laughs> and not doing anything I would like to, you know, maybe, maybe after two days though, I've, I mean, I've done it with vacation where it's like, I go to Thailand and then after a week, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a book or do a little bit of work. Um, but yeah, that's, and that's one of the things, and you mentioned, you know, with your wife and, and the Sepira. So the interesting thing is there's more, there's options on all sides, not whether you're self-employed, you're, you're, you're a W-2 employee, right? You have retirement vehicles such as like a Roth IRA, the traditional IRA, a 401k, 403b, um, self-directed IRA. Um, that's probably a topic for another time. Uh, even a um, solo 401k, right? For a self-employed individual, if you have no employees. So, Again, starting with my recommendation is figure out, okay, well, what what does at least right now and be conservative. And when I say conservative, it doesn't necessarily mean, okay, what's the lowest number you need for retirement? It's, it's more of be higher uh, in a regards to how you want to figure it out of what you want for retirement. Right. And it's a good starting point. No, that makes that makes sense. And the <clears throat> I think it was the fidelity um, number that you referenced about having you know one times your salary saved by um, thirty and thirty five and so on and so on. So that that kind of gives me a good indication of you know where I should be, um, which is great. But do you not do you specifically? But is there an industry standard such as um, you know that figure that kind of tells you? the percentage that you should be saving towards retirement specifically. So, you know, you obviously have like for myself, right? I have my 401k, um, uh, Roth IRA, there's maximum contributions to that, right? So let's say that I've already maxed out those. I can't contribute any further. I don't know to get to those numbers if I am done, you know, contributing towards retirement. So is there a percentage based on your yearly salary that you should be putting away towards retirement savings specific. So not savings for your emergency fund or savings for my, you know, vacation to the Bahamas, like specifically retirement savings and other retirement specific accounts that are not, you know, uh, not, uh, you can contribute more than whatever the maximum is for your traditional or your Roth. So uh, I personally so there isn't a way to really get around um, contributing towards a pre the pre tax. There's pre tax limits, right? That you can contribute into retirement accounts. Whether and that doesn't matter if it's a SEP or if it's a four hundred one k regular IRA. There is there's limits, right? And so I think what this and this is tax season right now. 
Uh, so it's important to drive this home. And AJ, we might have actually mentioned this, uh, I think, in our first or second podcast. But um, but because it is tax season, I'll just reiterate it. I I personally maximize my my contributions to my pre-tax retirement accounts, right? But that is not, and I think people too often focus on their retirement savings at that level, and that's all they they focus on, and they don't look at okay, what what can I do post-tax? You know, AJ mentioned the Roth IRA, right? Well, a Roth IRA, the concept behind a Roth IRA for people that don't know, and there's limits to the people that can contribute because it's based on on your income. If you if you make two hundred thousand dollars a year, uh, you're not contributing to a Roth IRA, right? But if if let's say you're you make less than a hundred and um, you know you you have this option, it's 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 a nice way to diversify your tax exposure in the future because let's say you're contributing to a four hundred one k, but you also contribute to a Roth. The way the Roth works is you pay taxes on on your income in that year, but when you put that money in, you and there are limits. Uh, the money as it grows over time, when you turn 65, the way it works currently, right, is you get that money tax-free when it comes out of your Roth. So that money that you've built, you know, using compound interest, hopefully, um, over 30, 35, 40 years, hopefully it grew uh, to a, a large amount. And when you go to take money out of your 401k, and then also take money out of your Roth. Well, if you combine those two, even the 401k alone can hit, bring a big tax hit, right? And that Roth coming out tax-free will be nice because it's tax-free. And and I read an article, this was, I want to say it was 20, 2012, 2013. It, it was my first year, second year in the business. And they were talking about how uh, they think in the future, this person was... Um, he thinks in the future there will be people out there that have to pay more in taxes in retirement than they will when they were working because their retirement accounts did so well and they contributed so much to pre-tax retirement accounts that when they, when they have to hit those re- required minimum distributions, they're oh, going to be making a lot of, they're going to pay a lot of taxes. And so- that's just the pre and post tax retirement accounts, but let's not even forget too. If let's say you know those contributions aren't leading you to hit your targets, you can always save in a non retirement account. People people always forget that. I mean, even though it's non retirement, say you know non retirement accounts, you can put money into non retirement accounts and and still have them uh, when you come to retirement. So it's not like there's a rule that you can't use those. Uh, well, it doesn't even have to be retirement accounts, right? I mean, Justin, we were talking earlier before we started the show. I think you mentioned your dad having, you know, real estate assets, right? And that's, it's diversifying your assets and and other vehicles. It doesn't have to be specifically retirement accounts. And you, so you asked the question, right, of like the percentage of salary to save. And to be completely honest with you. Uh, because I don't know your specific situation and then other people listening to this, it's, it's kind of hard. I, I typically try to stick to the math a of what you can realistically afford to put away to retirement for what you need for retirement. And then also, I mean, you also want to make sure and Anton and I have spoken about this and we talk to clients on this qu- quite a bit of, you want to make sure too, that you're not just, focused uh, purely on the future, right? You want to pick your head up and enjoy life today. Even yes, you, there will be, there will be some sacrifices you need to make. You're not going to be spending every dollar that you earn, but at the same time, that doesn't mean you need to put every single dollar you put away. Um, It, it comes down to math though, is, is figuring out what exactly (laughs) you need to, uh, you need to put away realistically so that you're you're prepared for retirement or whatever that future goal is, but also you can still live, right? What's what's the point then if you're just being too frugal? No, I agree. That's and that's important to me, and that's kind of why I'm trying to really figure out this balance with my life because it is important for me to live for today. I'm I am 29, and tomorrow is not guaranteed. So 
you know, of course it would be great to pass my kids, you know, a fortune. Uh, but you know, I don't expect that from my parents. I tell them that every day, like, listen, I don't want you to leave me anything. I want, I want you to live every single day to your fullest and not really worry about saving for what you're going to leave to me. Right. So that's important to me. Quality of life. Um, you know, I, I truly believe that. So it is a balance, you know, how much do I save to make sure that I'm not underprepared when I get there, but how do I also make sure that, you know, I'm having a good time today and I'm not saying no to those experiences that, you know, I should be having because, you know, there's things that when you are 65, when you are 70, you just simply cannot do the same way or in the same capacity that you could when you were in your twenties or thirties or whatever it might be. So I do want to look back um, and say, wow, I'm glad I did all that. You know, I might have a little bit less in my retirement account than I could have, but I'm retired and I'm happy and I lived a good life. So that's all important to me. And um, it is something that we have to, you know, even with me and my own clients and we start talking about, you know, when you come, there's a lot of individuals that come to get pre-approved, right? And and they're only interested in what is the maximum that I'm pre-approved for. So we have to dial it back and have these conversations where it's like, you know what? You are pre-approved. You can handle based on your debt to income ratios and, and your qualifying factors. You can handle this payment. However, how is that going to impact the rest of your life? So black and white, I'm telling you, you can afford a $4,000 payment, but based on your lifestyle, the way that you want to live your life, the goals that you have for today, for the future, you might be right. You know, you might be maxed out based on that stuff at a $3,000 a month payment. So I do try to evaluate those things. And I think it's important for anybody listening to, you know, make sure that they are doing that balance. Cause I'm not interested in putting every penny that I possibly can into retirement. Um, and living a, a dull life where I just go home every day and I don't, you know, I don't do things that are extra or, you know, I don't go out and have a good time and spend times with friends and family and all that kind of stuff. So, um, that is definitely important, you know, for me. Yeah. And it's definitely doable. Right. I mean, I've traveled all around the world, obviously not so much lately, but you know, and still save for retirement once a year, I check my numbers to make sure, okay, I'm still on track. I haven't screwed myself over by going to the Bahamas or traveling too often. But the, the nice thing is, I will say, is if you go to some of these emerging countries, you're actually saving more money than oh, yeah. being in a state like California or even Seattle. Um, and it's, so it's definitely possible, right? You're just going to need to sit down. And I'm, I'm curious for you, um, Justin, because th- this is one thing I've found um, different with, with clients that I've ran into is when you have a, a married couple, right? There are differences in the two. And sometimes when they come to individuals like myself or Anton, they actually haven't really talked about what they plan or what their vision is for retirement literally until the meeting of the question is asked. So what do you guys view for retirement? Like what's your goal like? And they have completely separate answers or have no idea what the other person thinks. Is that something you've talked with? Great with the question. Great question, AJ. <laughs> Great question. That is a good question. So yeah. a little bit of background. I got married in June, right? So we just hit eight months. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a great eight months in, in so many ways. It's been a, a tough eight months going through COVID. I mean, we did a COVID wedding. We're doing a remodel. Oh man, it's, so it's been it's been an interesting first eight months for sure. But I can't say that we've really had that conversation. I know that, you know, we're married for a reason. A lot of our, you know, goals and desires and dreams that we've discussed, we are on the same page about, but specifically in retirement, you know, we haven't. And I know those are important conversations. And that's kind of what we just started to scratch the surface on a little bit and what led me into this type of a conversation. Um, Because whatever it is that we do decide that, you know, that this is the way that we want to spend our retirement, or this is what we see for ourselves. I want to make sure that we're not deciding that when we're 50 and we have 10 or 15 years left to all of a sudden scramble and, and get to those, get to those goals, you know? So we do need to sit down we do need to have that conversation, um, you know, with somebody like you, um, as well, who can kind of give us some direction and some goals and, and really put a plan in place for us, um, you know, where to store our money, how to do it, what's the most efficient way to get to our, you know, common goal overall. So I would, I definitely, I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying that we have 
very similar ideas for what retirement looks like. But, um, you know, we have not really had that conversation in full and put anything on paper, that's for sure. And that's kind of what we're, you know, this financial plan that I'm starting to inquire about. That's, you know, it's a big piece of that to make sure that we are on the same page. That was a great question, AJ. I, I'm, I'm really happy you asked that um, because <laughs> I... I, I literally, you know how many times, yeah, if they don't, they don't talk. Um, and I had a coworker, I had two coworkers who, um, why well, no, it was one coworker and, and she was married to her, her, uh, husband and they were both, they both were on total opposite pages of whether they were both, they were going to have kids. One was like, we're having kids. The other one's absolutely not. And I was always curious how that ended up working out because that's kind of a big question that probably should be decided prior to getting married. But uh, same thing too is even if you don't have that conversation, right? You have people today who, when they come in to talk to us, uh, you know, they maybe haven't had that discussion about saving, but also even just uh, spending, attitude towards spending. Uh, you'll have one person who just spends, 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 and somebody who um, who d- doesn't and and is is the saver and. Uh, I, I think I'm pretty sure AJ, I'm sure will will fact check me on this, but I think money is one of the it's if it's not the biggest, it's one of the biggest reasons why marriages fail um, because there th- that can cause angst with the planning side of things. Um, and so yeah, having that clear direction of, okay, are we organized here as a unit going down the same path is important. Um, so yeah, it's I'm I'm curious if uh, Justin, who's the saver and who's the spender, but I won't ask him. That's if I want to keep that Just private. <laughs> no, I'm okay. So this is part of it, right? I'm supposed to be getting my my financial plan. We we're both guilty. Um, you know, this last year has been crazy, right? I mean, this house has been leaking money like never, right? So we're spending you know, outrageous amounts, but I am guilty, but it goes back to the, you know, the choices of the lifestyle that we, that we want to live by. We do not live outside of our means. Not at all. We don't have, we're neither of us are materialistic. We don't have brand name things. We don't have super expensive cars. We keep our expenses down when it comes to those sort of things, uh, where we, where we don't necessarily is, you know, when, We'll decide to go out, you know, to eat or I'm a gift giver too. I like to give gifts. I'll randomly spend money because I'm thinking about her. I'm like, you know what? She might enjoy this. She might like this and I'll just go buy it. And whether that was a good purchase or not, it's not like it's thousands of dollars or anything, but that kind of stuff adds up and it's not necessarily materialistic in the terms of name brand, but it's still material items we probably don't need. Right. So I am definitely guilty of that. She's a trooper though. She, you know, she doesn't need a whole lot. Um, but I still think that we spend a little bit too much and we could definitely reel that in for sure. But I'll, I'll just say it. I I'm the spender. I'm the spender. We both need to get better at saving. Um, but I, I would say that I spend more money than she does. Absolutely. So this is, this is the way this, hold on, AJ, hold on. This is, (laughs) this is how you, uh, this is how you play that. You know, if, if I was dating somebody, this is what I would do. I would go and I'd say, you know what? Uh-oh, I'm we're getting on her. I'm thinking on her. I'm thinking on her. I'd go home and say, hey, babe, I was thinking about you. I wanted to get you this, but I decided against it because I was really, really thinking about your future and our future. And I thought, you know what? It's better if I don't spend the money on this. This is just one <laughs> example just... why you're single. <laughs> I'm going hey, to use that gonna, one gonna and I'll, let you know, I'll let you know how that works out for me. Yeah, she'll love it. She'll love it. Anyway, AJ, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, next next question I have for you. Have you guys actually, because you're talking about, you know, you try to keep your expenses, you know, as best you can and maybe overspend. Have you guys actually ran like a budget or tracked your expenses? So we have. We've done a couple of, you know, and before we got married, we really didn't have joint expenses, right? We kind of kept our separate. I had my own account. She had her own account. We had joint bills that we had a joint saving slash checking account, um, you know, to take care of. But for the most part, our own lives were kind of paid for, um, you know, by the individual or whatever that might be. So when we kind of came together, we did start to run a budget, but, you know, 
going into it, we had a COVID wedding. She is a self-employed hairdresser, right? So there wasn't a whole lot of income necessarily coming in from that side of things. So our budget has been thrown completely through a loop going into this year, but something that we just talked about, again, this has been a major topic of conversation with us lately is this retirement and our financial planning. And you know that's something that we've promised each other that we're going to sit down and we're going to actually go through for the first time as we're coming out and she's back to work, which is awesome. So her, her income is, is uh, normalizing. So now that we have a pretty good understanding of, you know, what our monthly income is and, you know, now that we kind of have this house set in stone and we're not necessarily going to be leaking cash the way that we previously were for these big expenses, we're going to now kind of enter back into that fixed expense. Right. Um, and we have been talking about things and these are little things, right? Like we go through budgeting, but we, you know, started to ask each other, well, and these are, we live in, you know, it's, this is such a 2021 thing, but it's like, well, do you pay for Netflix? I pay for Netflix. Also, why would we have two net, you know, do you pay for Hulu or do you pay for Spotify or whatever the freaking recurring streaming things that we all probably spend an unbelievable amount on that we don't even realize it, but trying to go through and what are our monthly fixed? What are our monthly recurring expenses? Um, how to get those down as far as possible. Um, but also just knowing what the hell they are, right? Like I was getting paid, man, I'm so stupid. I, a couple years ago, I signed up for this monthly, like it was, it was fantasy football. Like they give you like an advice, like before the draft, right? I didn't even realize, gave my credit card. It was like hitting me like $5.99 a month for, I mean, $5.99 a month. How f- football is four months. So what was the other eight months, you know? I, and I wasn't even using its services, but it's one of those Chipotle things. Chipotle burrito back in 2014 right there. Yeah, it was just silly, you know, and and I'm so guilty of just being too lazy to even be looking at those, you know, statements and, and seeing where that is. So, yeah, it's a big emph- emphasis going into 2021 is to basically make sure anything that's recurring, that we know about it, that we it makes sense, that it's adding value to our life, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, budget budget is another big 2021 thing. So, good uh I'll uh, actually make a note of that right now. I'm going home and we're talking budget. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's a, it's a big thing, right? It's, and it's a simple thing of just tracking your expenses, even if it's just for a month to figure out, okay, you know, where's my money exactly going? And am I a actually spending less than I'm, than I'm earning or saving? And, you know, sometimes it'll surprise you exactly what you just mentioned, right? There's that fantasy football expense and you're just like, are you serious? What? <laughs> hey, AJ, do you want to hear what I cut recently uh, back in, what was it, uh, when I moved to Sonoma County in September? I, I cut cable. I don't have a cable bill anymore. So that's that's saving me about 220 bucks a month right there. Oh, I, I beat you to that a long time. I don't even have a Netflix, Amazon, or anything. Though I do say I just got a um, YouTube premium um because i love youtube i just love your learning you can learn anything nowadays with videos YouTube is youtube is awesome but yeah with all these streaming so they you know the cutting the cable cord at first you know it is super attractive and that's actually one of the things we've talked about doing too but now all of a sudden you have to have 18 streaming services you might as well freaking have cable right it's like 4.99 for this one 11.99 for this one and it goes up every every four months you know disney plus or whatever the hell it is so it's uh it's funny how the streaming world is kind of getting you but the cutting the cable thing is you know that's that's something we definitely looked into and you know it's trying to spend more time also like once you do cut those sort of things you you spend more time on you know actually being productive right like anton i know firsthand this guy cut cut cable and he was at the gym every night for three hours all of a sudden, you know, because he didn't have anything else to do. He wasn't going home and, you know, binge watching whatever Western uh, movies he normally was watching, you know. So that's right. It definitely, you know, there's other things that, you know, when when you go over this budget and you make some lifestyle changes, I feel like you can, you know, increase productivity um, in other areas. And, you know, like what you were saying too, AJ, you never plan to really stop. So, you know, if we start, you know, using our extra hours after we cut cable or whatever to, you know, have a side hustle business or whatever, you, you never know. So, um, you know, I do think those are important conversations with, with the budget, just getting lifestyle, you know, all wrapped in and, and making sure we're not, 
you know, being frivolous, we're not being stupid with our spending and, and, uh, you know, just being overall smart. So. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be just for productivity purposes too, right? Like you can just realize, oh yeah, I don't need to spend this because I'd rather be doing other things. I'd rather be going to the gym or what have you. Right. And it's funny you mentioned about all the streaming service because literally last night, uh, I'm hanging out with a friend and they have bunch of subscription services, but they were just mentioning if all of us just pay the $5.99 or $10 a month for each subscription service and then just share it with, our, with another <laughs> group of friends, we just have this group yep. of each person is contributing their subscription. You're not um, to be in a group chat though, because you can only be signed into like two or three at a time. And be like, hey, Gary, get off the Netflix. It's my turn. Come on. <laughs> Sounds like communism to me. I'm, I'm not really all about that. Oh um, man, Anton, you're not into anything that has fun surrounding it. Hey, what's fun about sharing a service that I can't even watch because somebody else is on it? Um, <laughs> no, but I uh, I want to go off topic for a second while we have Justin here because he you know he works in the mortgage industry, and uh, you know the last week right we had this. It's a little bit off topic. It is off topic from what we've been talking about for most of this podcast with retirement, but. Um, this last week, obviously, we've heard about the bad weather in Texas and the you know the storms that went through and how they've lost power. And I really was noticing that you know this that green energy, the 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 solar and the uh, windmills really had a problem operating in the cold weather. And it wasn't just in Texas last week; it was in Germany. So I wanted to get your guys's take on on that because, um, you know, a lot of people have been putting the, you know, let's say solar on their homes. And I think in California it's required now for every newly built home. But, uh, we saw this also in Santa Rosa and Sonoma County with the fires and just other places in California because they are tied into the grid. And so a lot of people did it thinking, okay, I'm going to be energy and independent, but they weren't. So, uh, what is your opinion on that? Because, you know, I, I look at Germany and they had a big problem because they had no sun. It was cloudy and it froze. So the no sun hit the solar and then no no wind. So they didn't have any wind power. Uh, what's your take on that? Because uh, I personally think a, a move completely into green energy, quote unquote, is not the best idea because, you know, as we've seen, it doesn't end up working out like they thought. So just well, yeah, talk about off topic. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> left field. That's a, that's a you know we kind of we briefly talked about this earlier this week, and uh, you know you're to an extent you're right. I mean, how can you possibly you know be entirely re- reliant upon green energy that isn't there, right? So if you are fully you know, relying upon solar energy and all these alternative energies that, you know, at it, when something happens, you know, when mother nature decides to, you know, do whatever course or season that it's, it's planning right there. Yeah. How do you, how do you put heat into your house when you, you know, are being required, you know, these on these state or County, you know, whatever governances that are requiring now these building codes to be 100%, you know, alternative energy or, you know, I know something that in Sonoma County, or it could even be over a California thing, but I don't know exactly what year, but, you know, starting, let's just call it starting in 2025, every new build or every permit that gets pulled to replace your heater is no longer going to be connected to gas, right? So you now, your heater is fully relying upon your, you know, energy consumption, whatever that might be. And if it's alternative energy and and you're relying entirely on solar and there's no sun that's, you know, powering that solar panel, I mean, how the hell are you going to heat up your house? So, um, you know, I don't know, you have a lot more opinions on alternative energy than I do. Um, you know, so maybe, maybe let's flip the script, Anton, because it sounds like you wanted to hear us, but you might really just want to be the one answering that question. So Anton, why don't, you, uh, why don't you give me your take on it? There you go, guys. Justin knew exactly where I was going with that. I mean, I wanted to ask myself my own question. Um, you know, uh, it just, it just doesn't make sense, right? What, what is the point of, of, of putting your, uh, he- heating and energy needs into something that doesn't work. Uh, 
uh, it, it just you, you in California on top of that, right? You have to every new build has to have solar. And by the way, every new build, you can't have a wood burning fireplace. So imagine imagine you're living in Texas right now and you have a, a winter storm come through and your energy gets shut down and your solar doesn't work, your gas doesn't work, whatever it is that they're using to power. And you can't even put a fire in your fireplace. Now, some people would probably figure it out and, and, and you know, they would survive. They do things, right? But think about how many homes in California don't even have a wood-burning fireplace that are, new, that are newly being built. And, and I, think, I think that drive to get completely onto clean energy, it's, it's, uh, people are, are so f- laser-focused in on that and not really kind of taking the blinders off to say, hey, um, what are the potential scenarios that could play out? Because like we're seeing in Texas and in Germany, uh, there, you could have some um, negative consequences to not thinking forward on that. So, um, that's, I mean, that's my take on it. I don't know. AJ, do you have a take? Uh, I did not know about the houses not allowed to have the newly developed houses, not allowed to have fireplaces. Is that in California, you said? California, so for, you can't have a wood-burning fireplace. I think that it's a it's actually a city-by-city, city or I don't know if it's a full California thing yet. Anton, correct me if I'm wrong, but just for example, here in Sonoma County, where I currently live, new builds can still have wood-burning stoves. The town that I purchased and I'm remodeling a house in because I inquired about having a wood-burning stove because I grew up with one and I like them, um, it was a no. So you were not able, however, existing, my neighbor has a wood burning stove and I watch him burn it every night. So existing wood burning stoves could remain anything after a certain date, whether, you know, cause a permit would have to be pulled for something like that. There's just, they're not giving permits. Now, could you do it illegally? Sure. Obviously that's never recommended for anything, but, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's a city by city, town by town, if it's, and it's definitely not by the county if that's the case then I, and or if it's going to be a blanket policy in California. I do know that Sonoma County specifically is having a blanket policy when it comes to the energy efficiencies with their um, change to gas or from gas um, means of heating your house. Yeah. I, I'm pretty- um, so in regards to that, I one, I, I dislike, I mean, it's kind of like our discussion in regards to Robin Hood. I dislike the inability to put something in your home if that's what you want. Um, I, the, I, I mean, I'm not sure all of us are here, but I've, I do have a current project, full disclosure, in the renewable energy space that I'm, I'm working with on a in a private company, but I, I am a huge proponent when it comes to, you know, the environmental renewable sustainability. Um, I think just in regards to how messed up we've done this planet. And I mean, there are tons of examples. Uh, I just started, for example, scuba diving a few months ago and getting more into learning about, you know, the ocean and like the coral reefs, Right, the Great Barrier Reef, and how over fifty percent—I'm—I'm spitballing the number, but I'm pretty sure it's over fifty percent of of coral has has died because of the it's too warm, and it's like okay, well, global warming is a thing, right? Um, so I mean, if you're talking in regards to the homes, yeah, I I dislike the inability of having that. If you're talking more so on on the renewable energy sources, it's kind of like what we talk about in regards to assets, diversify. So solar, wind, all these kind of things. Hydrogen, right, is is v- becoming very popular right now. So um, that's my take on that. <laughs> very, I think, very I think that plain be a whole, and simple. Whole other episode entirely, you know. So we'll uh, we'll end it with AJ. Tell me a little bit about the scuba diving. I didn't even know that about you. So where, uh, you know, where do you do this? How long has this been going on? I mean, I've only done it like. I, twice to be honest um, so what's next what are you planning then i know you travel around the world is there is there a a destination you have planned where it's like that's i want to go there and i want to scuba dive there because 
I have very little scuba diving experience. Um, but that's something, you know, you talk about, you know, these retirement goals, lifestyle, all that kind of stuff. I want to go and scuba dive in a couple of places just because it was an amazing experience. And those are the experiences I do want to have while I'm young and I can, while I can do it. So do you have some, or, you know, a top place in mind that you'd like to, uh, go diving? Honestly, no. Um, (laughs) I mean, I did get certified so I can, I might be working on my, I think it's the advanced open water um, to go even at a deeper depth, but nothing specifically. I think I just also got into surfing and I know we, we both know Josh who's, who's really into surfing, right? Uh, that I'm actually more inclined to start doing more because it's easier for me. Uh, the last time, funny enough, the last time I went scuba diving, I think I equalized a little too hard and, and got a, an ear infection, which was not fun. I mean, everything's fine, no permanent damage or anything, but uh, I don't know. I would like to see, you know, maybe the Great Barrier Reef and, and the coral before we hopefully, fingers crossed, and fuck up the planet too much that they all die out, you know, but because, um, yeah, it's it's. And that's part of the reason why I've gotten so much more into the renewable space, just because there is a lot you realize that we've we've done to the ecosystem and we can table, like you said, table that discussion for another time. But um, yeah, in regards to scuba diving, it's I'm wherever I can go where I can see cool stuff. Cool. That's awesome, man. <laughs> Nothing wow. specific, man. Well, uh, next time you come out and visit, we'll, we'll get you in the water up here surfing and uh, just make sure you bring your wetsuit. Dude, the water's so cold though. I don't know cold, if I could do it. Cold up here. But uh I, I once you get in it, man, you get in, you dunk your head, it stings for a minute, and then you don't even notice. You know, you throw that wetsuit on, put some booties on, and uh, you know, you'll you'll be good to go. So there's some what good about waves the great, What about some the great white there. sharks? No, they don't want anything to do with you. I don't know about that. No, you're good. You they'll just they'll swim around, they'll sniff, they'll see. They'll see what's going on, but you know, they don't want anything to do with us. They don't want to eat us. Stay out of their way, you know, do, do right by them and they'll do right by you. That's the only way you can really think about it. If you're deciding to be in the water, which AJ, it sounds like you already are. Don't let Anton put sharks in the back of your mind. Oh no, I don't. I'm not worried about that. To be honest, I'm just, it's the cold. I I like it when it's warm. It is. It is a little bit cold, but uh, you'll, you'll warm back up. So anyway. Okay. Off topic. Well, <laughs> off top of the, the end of the episode. But anyways, Justin, I want to thank you again for having you on the on the show uh another time and we'll definitely have you again. But um no, any you. final thoughts that you'd like to let us know or anyone out there listening? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think this has been a good conversation for me, really just knowing you know, knowing the importance, right? You guys are emphasizing, you know, compound interest, which, you know, it is something that I'm familiar with. So I I do feel like I have, you know, the upper hand and the understanding of the power of compound interest, right? So if one thing that I can say to anybody listening from the perspective of what we look at every day, me being amazed at, you know, what the compound interest looks like, and I look at it in terms of cost, how much is this going to cost you? But what you guys are, you know, doing and providing for your clients and for, you know, just the knowledge of us all is how can you use that compound interest in your favor and to benefit you um, so that you can retire and live that lifestyle that you want to, that you want to live, right? AJ, if you want to dive every day and never work a day in your life or anybody who's out there who's listening, who has those type of, you know, plans, starting early, starting young, having a budget, you know, getting everything in place and, and maximizing that compound interest as long as possible, you know, seems like the way to go. So I've got some work to do. For myself and for my wife and family and uh we'll, we'll get on that financial plan so we'll uh we'll be chatting more about what i need to do individually um but yeah that's kind of that's kind of it so i appreciate you guys having me on again we'll we'll do it again i couldn't stay away for more than a week so you know hopefully hopefully we will do this again so i appreciate you guys having me on anton anything from you no thank you um it, it was it's a good talk and uh i think you know, we, we want to get as many perspectives as we can from uh, different people. And Justin has a unique one that he's kind of, I would say, l- living in the moment right now, that uh, kind of dream that a lot of people have uh, when they're young is, you know, getting married, building a home or, or re- remodeling a home. 
um, and, you know, hopefully planning to have some kids in the future here. So, uh, you know, those are important steps in people's lives and, and, and it's, it's having a plan is important and, uh, good. It's nice to hear that he's kind of on that path and on that way. So. Yeah. One last question for you, Justin, are you planning on having it with the white picket fence? You know, the traditional American dream. <laughs> I actually have, I currently have a white picket fence. Um, oh, oh but, okay. you know, no, that's not, that's not a plan for, for where we're going right now, but we do kind of have that little picturesque, like end of a easement last house, you know, I know there's a scary movie called last house on the left, but also that American dream, you know, um, type of thing. So, you know, maybe not the white picket fence, but there is a little bit of cheesy, you know, a quote unquote American dream thrown in there for sure. Hey, well, if it's your goal and your dream, I say go for it, right? And on that note, thank you everyone for listening and uh, until next time. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this channel as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of opinion. Investments or strategies mentioned on this channel may not be suitable for you. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on information on this channel, you should consider whether it's suitable for your particular circumstances and strongly consider seeking advice from your own financial or investment advisor.